tonight. Uh, I don't know, I, maybe it's because I'm not pastoring no more, but it seems like every week it gets tougher and tougher. But uh, I really desire your prayer tonight, you know, during the message, just sort of, you know, keep your eyes focused on me, but focus your heart on God a little bit and say a little prayer that God would help me and use me uh, here this evening. I, I'm not here really to be seen. I'm here to be a help and a blessing to you, and that's what I want to be. Uh, just like uh, our pastor. And uh, so you pray for me tonight. Let's turn over there uh, to Deuteronomy, the same chapter, chapter number 32. Deuteronomy 32. Far as I know, this will probably be my last night for a while. Uh, I'm not for sure, but I think uh, I hadn't talked to my son yet, but... uh, I think that uh, they've got a youth pastor now, and that's what he's been doing, uh, trying to keep that going, and so uh, he'll probably be coming back in here and uh, relieving me of my job, giving me my pink slip, amen, no insurance, no retirement or nothing, amen, And uh, but it's been good. I want to say that I really appreciate uh, your attendance, I really appreciate uh, your faithfulness, and I really appreciate your prayers uh, while we've been uh, trying to help him and uh, fill in for him. And uh, I pray that it's been a blessing. I hope I haven't done anything that would hurt anybody. Uh, if I did, you'll have to sort of check it out with the Lord because I've done what he wanted me to do. Amen. All right. Got your uh, Bible and got it open to Deuteronomy 32. Say amen real big. As an angel stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you that you're God and beside you. I believe tonight that we can all agree that there's none like you. Lord, you're the one that put everything together. You're the one that supplies the increase and I thank you so much for that. Now, Lord, we need your help tonight. I'm just an old piece of clay, and I need your blessings. I need your touch. I pray, Father, that you would help us, that we could be a blessing to the people. Lord, we don't want to just have a mouthful of words, but, Lord, we uh, do want to have a mouthful from you. Now, I pray, God, that you'd direct us now for your people. You know what they need. I don't, and I pray you'd help me to help them. And I'll sure praise you, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Uh, Well, this will be the third message on the eagles, and uh, I told you I had five of them. Uh, So what I've done is I sort of skipped the third one and the fourth one, and I just went to the last one, and uh, make me feel better, make me feel like I've done all five of them, amen. And uh, I, I don't know if uh, maybe you want some of the tapes. Uh, you can, uh, uh, I preached these uh, series probably back in uh, 82, I think, somewhere in there uh, when I was pastoring in Florida. And uh, uh, I got my tapes. And if you want the, uh, if you want the series uh, or at least the others, uh, just let me know after the service, and I'll try to run some off. They're on cassette tape, and uh, I, <laughs> I went around my cassette player messed up today, and I was just sort of, you know, wanting to listen to it a little bit, 
And I went all over town trying to find a cassette player, and they looked at me like I was crazy, amen? <laughs> I guess CDs have done took it over. There ain't no more cassette players, so I, I, I done what everybody else would do. I just went to the foundry, amen? You can find what you want there, amen? And uh, I found one of them boxes about, you know, them boom boxes about that long, and, and that happened to have one in it, so I walked around like, you know, that boom box. I started to throw it up on my shoulder, amen? And, uh, but I didn't, amen. I, I behaved myself. All right, uh, in the message, now the first message we preached uh, was on the mothering of the eagles. How that, uh, how that God, uh, or say God, how that the mother eagle put everything together, found her place, uh, built the nest, uh, I told you last week that uh, some of the nests uh, that some of these eagles make, not all of them, but some of them, they have recorded uh, uh, to be over a thousand pounds in the nest itself. Uh, they say that uh, a man can get in the nest and walk around. Uh, it's not a blue jay nest, amen. Uh, it ain't a little mockingbird nest. Uh, these things get like uh, 20 foot by 10 foot. Uh, I mean, they're a huge nest up in the cliffs of the rocks. And so uh, we preached on that, how she put it all together and uh, got the eggs and hatched them out and, and, uh, and all that. Then last week, uh, the Lord let us preach uh, uh, the part of the series on the stirring of the nest, uh, how that uh, she took the rabbit fur and the uh, coon fur and the sheep fur or whatever she got a hold of uh, and put in the nest. Now, that nest is made up of, uh, of sticks and roots and uh, probably branches and anything that they can get a hold of to build a nest. Uh, then she'll take and uh, uh, before she lays her eggs and all she'll take and, and, uh, and uh, put some fur in there uh, after her killing, uh, whatever that it is, if it be a possum or uh, if it, I mean, that's been known to even have sheep, uh, grown sheep, uh, 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 fur that's in these nests. Uh, and the stirring of the nest, how that, uh, that little eaglet or eaglets, most of the time it's two, sometimes three, uh, but most of the time there are two eaglets in there. And uh, how that she stirs the nest for the benefit of the eaglets. Uh, she knows that unless she stirs the nest, unless she gets them out of their comfort zone, that they'll never be what they need to be. Uh, they'll never be uh, what she is. And uh, she knows uh, because the same thing happened to her when her mother uh, had to stir the nest, get the fur out. And I mentioned last week how that uh, uh that would have been something to see those little eaglets when they wake up that morning, uh, all the fur gone and sticks sticking in their sides and everything, uh, and uh, how uncomfortable that must have been. But it was just to get them uh, out of their comfort zone where that the mother eagle could work with them and get them going uh, like they need to be done. Now tonight, if you will help me and if you'll pray for me, uh, I said a while ago, I really need your prayers and uh, you pray for me. I want to uh, try to bring uh, uh, the message on the master, uh, mastering of the eagle. The mastering of the eagle. Uh, this is really the fifth message. Uh, I've skipped the third one and the fourth one and just went to the fifth one. And uh, so we'll preach on that tonight. 
uh, just for a, a little bit. Probably won't be as long as what we've been being, uh, but we'll uh, we'll look at this uh, how the mastering of the eagle. Now uh, the Bible said here in verse number eleven, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on uh, her wings. Now I'm going to give you three thoughts here uh, on these eagles here on the mastering. Uh, of the eagles. Number one, first thought, uh, we need to be dominant to God. other words, God needs to be dominated over us. Uh, And so as we look at this and we think about this and we relate it to the eagles here, uh, the word fluttereth uh, that we just read right here uh, is mentioned three different times in different words uh, in the Hebrew. Now, the Bible said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, uh, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, that one word there, moved, that's what I want to just zero in on here. Uh, that word move means to be dominant. other words, uh, when God uh, uh, moved in, when God moved upon the face of the waters, uh, you could simply put it like this, uh, he was dominant over the waters. Uh, now, if you go and you read uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, it's uh, the beginning uh, of mankind, the beginning of the earth, the beginning of the uh, of the uh, the nature that we know, the birds, the fish, and separating the waters and the firmament and uh, and all that. That's the start uh, of all that. And I'm glad that the Lord said, and it was good. Amen. Uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't figure anything God had to do with is going to be bad. Do you? And so we find here that that one word there, when the Bible said, "In the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters." Uh, other words, uh, he was dominant over the waters, about like Jesus was uh, when he stepped out on front of the ship uh, and, uh, and looked out across the, the waters and the waves and the wind, uh, and he said, peace, uh, be still. Uh, man, I'd like to have been on that ship, wouldn't you? Uh, I'd like to have been there whenever that ship was a-rocking and a-rolling, uh, wind was a-blowing, uh, and, and I know what it is. Uh, when I was pastoring in Florida... I had a, uh, a 38-foot Grady White, and uh, we'd go over the Bahamas in it, uh, and sometimes we'd get caught uh, uh, in, the, in the ocean out there uh, uh, in some uh, pretty rough waters out there. Uh, and when you think of a, you know, a, a, a boat that's uh, length like that, uh, you wouldn't think it would be too bad, but it's like a matchbox uh, in the ocean uh, and that thing, boy, it'll get to rocking and a rolling. And personally, I can understand how those mariners was all excited and scared to death because of the weather. And, of course, I would have liked to have been there for the reason of Jesus standing out on the front of that ship with it rolling and rocking, the winds are blowing, the rains are coming down. And he looks out and he says, Peace, be still. The old boat stopped. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Listen, the wind ceased. Uh, The waves quit uh, rolling. Uh, 
And, uh, and so what was it? Uh, I'm going to tell you what it was. Uh, he was dominant over uh, the waters. Uh, the waters had done what he said to do. Uh, and that's what it was here when the Bible said the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, other words, he was dominant over the waters. Not just the waters, uh, uh, but the trees, uh, the animals, uh, everything that he'd done in the beginning there, uh, he was dominant over it. Uh, and if we was to go look in Deuteronomy 32, uh, in our, uh, our text here, uh, the Bible said, As an eagle fluttereth her wing. Now, now, if we was to look in the Hebrew, uh, uh, that word fluttereth means dominating. Other words, that eagle was dominant in that nest. Uh, those little eaglets couldn't do nothing uh, unless mama said it was all right. And no doubt, they're probably like some of our kids. They're going to try you. And uh, that eagle, that mother eagle, she's got a uh, pitch in her voice uh, when she squeals uh, that, uh, that'll probably make the hair on your neck stand up. Uh, and that eaglet runs to the other side of that nest and behaves itself. Uh, why? Because she's dominant over that nest and everything in that nest. Uh, and I want to say this uh, uh, about a believer. God begins to move uh, in a believer's life uh, when he gets saved uh, you know, we don't know a whole lot before we get saved. And if you've been in church all your life, then you get saved. You may know more than uh, somebody who's never been in church. Uh, uh, like me, before I got saved, I didn't know nothing about the church. I didn't know nothing about the baptism and what it was and what it represented. I, I, I just didn't know anything about uh, none of that. And when I got saved, it was all Greek to me. And uh, I, I had to learn uh, uh, all these things. And by the help and the grace of God, him being a dominant in my life, uh, uh, listen, help me to be uh, what I needed to be. You see, when God, when God called me to preach, uh, it was a while before. Uh, listen, uh, I, I mean, after I got saved, uh, and I went through some trials, I went through some things that, that I didn't understand. Uh, I, you know, uh, God was preparing me uh, for the ministry. I had no idea about that. Don't you wish God would sort of sometimes in our life say, hey, I'm going to do this now, but i got to get you going for it. <laughs> but he don't work that way. He just gets you going, then he tells you what you're going to do. Uh, and uh, he's done that in my life. Uh, and sometimes we'll go through some hard things because God knows you're going to go through some hard times. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's what God done to me. He was dominant in my life. And because of that, uh, I began to learn and to pick up things uh, and God began to help me. Last week, I told you I don't know how in the world or why uh, that God would call somebody like me into the ministry. Uh, uh, but he did, I guess, to confound the wise. That's what the Bible said, uh, uh, that God will do things just to confound the wise, just to show them uh, that he is God and he can use anybody uh, that's willing to be used. That's me, that's you, or anybody else. Uh, he, don't, he really don't need your education. Uh, 
education's good. I advise it to anybody. It'll uh, cause you uh, not to have to stay up half the night studying like I did. Uh, education will help you, but God can do it without it. I mean, it's all God wants is somebody willing to be used of him. If you're willing to be used of him, uh, let him be dominant in your life. Uh, listen, friend, there's no telling what God could do with you. And so we find here that uh, that word fluttereth there. It simply means uh, uh, to be dominant. She was dominant uh, in, her, in her nest. Uh, I want to say this tonight uh, in that, that uh, nothing slips up on God. Are you listening to me? Nothing slips up on God. He has no accidents. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever done something? You said, oh, man, uh, that was accident. I didn't really mean for that to happen. That never happens to God. Are you listening to me? Nothing slips up on God. These times, maybe I'll get a letter in the mail, and I say, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Boy, it slipped up on me. Uh, brother, especially around tax time, amen? <laughs> uh, sort of slips up on you. And you say, uh-oh. But you know what? Uh, nothing slips up on God. God has no accidents. Uh, nothing happens by coincidence with God. Uh, everything's for a reason and a purpose uh, in a Christian's life uh, through God. He don't make no mistakes, friend. You can count on that. Listen, if you're saved here tonight, you're born again. You're serving a God that's your heavenly Father. And listen, He's got the best in store for you. You may be going through a time right now in your life that it really don't seem like it, but you be assured that He is preparing you for something great. Yes, sirree. And uh, he may have to put you through some things uh, uh, to where that uh, you'll make him dominant in your life, uh, where, that, uh, where that you can be used uh, of him. Uh, now, now, I said a while ago that uh, he never makes a mistake. Uh, have, you ever thought, have you ever thought about this? Why in the world did God make a skeeter? I've, I'm telling you, I've oftentimes said, Now, Lord, I know you know all things. And I know that you've got reason for everything you do. But, Lord, and behold, why did you make them skeeters? You know what I'm talking about. Now, it ain't that bad here. Maybe at your house, but not mine. But I'm telling you, down south in Florida, whenever that sun starts to go down a little bit, uh, just before dark, uh, Listen, you can hear him saying, you want to eat him here or take him with us? <laughs> I mean, they bad down there. Them suckers will eat you alive down there. And I'd say, now, Lord, why did you make a skeeter? And it sort of come to me, by the help of God, that a skeeter hawk got to have something to eat, amen? <laughs> I mean... That's why they call them skeeter hawks. Well, I'm sorry, I'm just a little southern. Most skeeter hawks. I guess how you say it. I just call them skeeters instead of uh, instead of a uh, mosquito. 
ever what they are. Amen. I just know them suckers will eat you. Amen. And, and so God made skeeters for skeeter hawks. Amen. They have to have something to eat just like everybody else. Uh, and I, I just wish the Lord would have told them, therefore the skeeter hawk's not for man. Amen. But Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Now we've seen this in the beginning of time. We see it with the eagle. Jeremiah 23, 9. We find that Israel, Israel is always in trouble. I mean, God will bail them out. God will fix them. God will get them going good. Uh, God will uh, have them uh, uh, shouting and having a good time. And before God can even turn his back, uh, they're, boom, right back where they was before. You know what I'm saying? If you read the Bible in the Old Testament a whole lot, you know what I'm talking about. God was continuously uh, uh, battling with his youngins there. Uh, and, uh, and we find here in Jeremiah, listen, the Bible said here in Jeremiah, he said, uh, all my bones shake. All my bones shake. Now that's simply talking about the restoration. Israel at this time uh, was being... Uh, I guess you could say uh, God was doing a little correcting. And sometimes God will uh, let them go so far before, before, listen, he brings them back and has them where they need to be. Ain't you glad that God does that with you and I? Ain't you glad that God don't just beat the daylights out of you every time you blink? Uh, but listen, uh, he'll just let you go so far, uh, and then he'll, listen, restore you and bring you back uh, where that you need to be. Uh, and, uh, and thank God, uh, uh, listen, as we look at that uh, and think about that, uh, this uh, restoration, uh, it's, like a, uh, it's like a grandfather clock. What they call that big old thing that hangs down a pendulum? The pendulum, did I say that right? It, you know, it swings back. And forth, back and forth. Y'all sleepy yet? Back and forth. Well, I better quit. I'll be put you to sleep. Amen. But uh, it never misses a beat. Uh, I mean, boy, it just steady, keeping time. Back and forth, back and forth. May I say to you tonight, that's the way God is. Uh, he never, never misses a beat. Uh, he's always there. He's always on time. Uh, I know there's been, you know, times in my life, uh, I say, God, it's about time you get here. Like, uh, like, uh, like I got, I'm superior over him or something. But may I say to you tonight, God is always on time. He don't have to have an alarm clock. He don't have to have something to remind him. Man, I got to have books and notes and everything else, and I still forget half of it. Uh, uh, but uh, God, uh, listen, he don't, he don't have to have any of that stuff. It's like that, old, that pendulum, uh, it's right on time. Bam, bam, bam. And as we look at that uh, and think about that, uh, uh, I, putting it with the eagle there, that's the way the eagle is uh, with her wings. Whenever I first started this series uh, back in the 80s, uh, when about the middle part of this series, I was watching a one of those shows, that animal shows, you know, where they, they'll show the lions one week and tigers one week and birds one. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember, you know, what the title of it was. 
But this particular time, it was right in the middle when I was doing these eagles, uh, that they were doing a series on eagles there. And, and they, had a, they had a camera, uh, a, a projector type thing, and they, were, they were, had it on this eagle nest. And, and this crow, I guess it may have been one of them old buzzards I was talking about last week, amen? But whatever it was, crow, buzzard, or whatever it was, uh, was up there close to Mama's eagle's nest. And that Mama eagle, that Mama eagle seen this. Now, they picked all this up on this, on this, on this uh, camera uh, projector deal that they had. And uh, they, 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 uh, they got this mama eagle coming by, and, and, and when, it, when it come by this projector uh, that they had set up, it sounded like a race car. Zoom! What, what was she doing, preacher? Well, she had that wing stretched out, and when she got to that, that crow or buzzard or whatever that it was, uh, he was a goner. She took that wing... I mean, listen, flying, flying 100 mile an hour or more. Listen, when she zeroing in, uh, took that wing. Now you got to understand. Uh, they listen. Their wingspans uh, are 10 foot, 12 foot, up to 15 foot with both wings with, with a span there. And whenever she come in, uh, hit that buzzard or that crow or whatever. They said a crow, but he was awful big to be a crow to me. But anyhow, she hit him and knocked him flying. And I think about that, and I'm and I'm I'm thinking. I said, "Man, man, what authority that Mama Eagle's got!" I mean that I mean that that bird didn't even have a chance. He didn't have a hope. What authority! Here that here that that eagle is. I remember I told you last week. The eagles can look dead into the sun. It don't bother them a bit. And uh, listen, she zeroed in and come in, passed by that that camera, hit that bird, knocked him crazy. Uh, and they 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 played it on the thing, uh, and it sound it sound like that white truck of mine. I'm telling you, that baby sound good, and it run good. I had I had one of those fuel cells in it. It didn't have the 16, 18 gallon tank. It just had a fuel cell in the, in the back of it. And I don't, I don't remember how much gas it held. Uh, uh, I don't know, four or five gallons, six gallons, I think, something like that, whatever they hold. And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive this thing to church Sunday morning. And I told Becky, I said, you ready to go? She said, I ain't riding that thing. Oh, I wanted to get her in there so bad. And uh, so, so brother, I, I headed out to church in my white truck. That thing, it had seven, 800 horsepower. And uh, I got to church. All right, no problem. Headed home, and I got probably a quarter mile, eighth a mile from my house, and run out of gas. Now, that tank was full. I, listen, I, 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 I didn't live that far from here. That's... It's probably two miles to. It's probably two miles to, uh, to, to, to two. Uh, what's that highway I live on? Two seventy-eight. Two. Thank you. Two seventy-eight, and then it's another two miles from that exit to this exit here, and what is it from, from there to here? A mile? 
So multiply that by two, that ain't much. And I run out of gas on a full tank. That baby will run. That is what that eagle sound like. Zoom! When he, when he come by there. And I thought, my, my, my. What authority that eagle's got. But then I thought this. It, this come to me. I thought, well, if that eagle has authority like that, if that eagle can do that and have that much authority, what does God have? <laughs> Boy, sometimes we fret for nothing, don't we? I mean, I mean, them little eaglets, they wasn't worried about that buzzard. They knew mama was checking in here pretty quick. And they knew mama was going to take care of them. I mean, what was inside that nest she was dominant with. Something happening, ain't it? I better get on part two quick, ain't I? But, uh, but uh, when, I, when I think about that, then I got to thinking about, man, if that eagle's like that, what kind of God do we serve? I mean, that would, that would split it, the firmament, make day and make night. Let it be, and it was. And sometimes we'll have nervous breakdowns of fretting about stuff. Are y'all with me? Am I the only one doing that? Y'all with me tonight? When we really think about who God is and what God is, friend, listen, He is our Father. Are you listening to me? He is our Heavenly Father. He loves us, and everything that he does is for the benefit and for the best of you and I. And so, and so I, I, I think about this, and as I look at that, and I think about the authority and, and, and all about that, I'm a thinking, man, man, God, you're all right. <laughs> I don't know why I was fretting like I was a fretting. I don't know why I was so worried like I was. You know, it always comes in. Why don't we just take and go back to the last time he bailed us out? Why don't we just go back to the last time when we was fretting and God took care of the situation? And some of us has different situations than others, some more serious than others. But I'm telling you, friend, there ain't nothing too serious for God. There ain't nothing. I said there ain't nothing too serious for God. He can take care of of the matter. He can take care of the situation there. Now, uh, we look at that and we think about that. These little eaglets, they think they know everything. After all, they are four months old now. And, and, and they think they know everything about eaglets. About like I was when I, when I first got saved and we got into the Word of God. You see, I got saved on a Wednesday night my wife got saved first. I got saved. One of my best buddies that, that we went to school together, Brother Paul Howe, he got saved that night. And Cheryl, his wife, got saved. All four of us got saved that same night. Well, for about six months, every night or at least every other night, I was, me and Becky was at their house 
or they was at my house studying the Bible, reading the Bible. I mean, man, we was just, we was just little babes. I mean, just want that bottle, boy, want that milk. Uh, and every night, I mean, man, I ate hot dogs till I looked like one of those hot dogs. I mean, we'd boil some hot dogs, and I'd eat hot dogs at my house and eat hot dogs at his house. I, I was so glad whenever he got enough money to buy a hamburger, amen? <laughs> but, uh, but that really didn't bother us because, man, we was eating it up on that word there. And, uh, and, and, and during all that time, uh, studying and, and, uh, and, and meditating in that, man, I thought I was, you know, uh, Spurgeon. And some of y'all Bible scholars know who he is. You know who Spurgeon is. Man, he's one that, he's one that led revivals over in England. I mean, thousands and thousands would get saved at a, at a meeting. And, uh, and man, I tell you what, I thought I was getting pretty good. Uh, you know, until God had to sort of, you know, that, that sound that that eagle makes, God knows how to make them sounds too. God knows how to get you on the other side of that nest just like them little eaglets does and, uh, and get you to where you need to be and let you know that you ain't as smart as you think you are. And uh, so that's what, uh, that's, what that, that's what that mama eagle will do when, whenever they get to where they think they know everything I mean, she'll make that she'll make that squeal, and that that uh, that that little uh, that little boy eagle he'll run over in the corner and hide where he ought to have been to start with. But uh, if we was to look over in that nest when they're born, how many of y'all seen a little bird when they when they born just hatched out? Now you. Do you agree with me that's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life? No feathers, just little wings and little feet. You know, nothing. I mean, ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. And, and I want to pause right here and uh, say that that's what we looked like when we first got saved. See, I thought I was something, man. I mean, we've been for six months. We've been in the Word, man. We were something. God let me know I was nothing. That eagle, that eagle, when it's born, it's ugly. And really, it smells, you know, because of the fur and the different stuff that's inside there. Stinks. And uh, probably, you'll have to agree with me that that's the way we was when we first got saved in the nostrils of God. We probably smelled just like that. And I'm not talking about odor-wise as far as under your arms thinking. I'm talking about, listen, what we ought to be in the eyes of God. We look like that little eaglet. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a little rabbit, baby rabbit? I'm telling you, that's an ugly sucker. I, I You know... I'm on Social Security, and I, I'm always trying to find some way I can make me a little extra money. I'm tired of hamburgers. I want to eat me a, something else every now and then. So I told Becky, I said, I'm going to raise rabbits. I said, I'm going in rabbit business. Now, now, now listen to me. If you, if you want to get in a business where 
where they prosper, not you, them. Get in rabbit business. I found myself building more rabbit pens. Every time they would have them, they'd have, man, they'd have eight to 12 rabbits. And, and, and you know, I, I, thought, I thought, man, I'll breed them all at one time. I want a bunch of rabbits. I'm going to sell these babies. I'm going to be able to eat me a piece of steak every now and then. Boy, was I mistaken. They, uh, but make a long story short on that little rabbit, when they're born, see that, that mama rabbit, she'll take that fur on her chest there, and she'll pull all that fur out, and she'll have all that fur in there, and you won't even know there's a rabbit in there. I mean, they get down in that, down in that fur and, and stay warm because there is nothing on that rabbit. I mean nothing between them and God. And ugly, ugly as can be. You know, they got that, that bobtail, you know, that little, like a cotton tail. You ought to see that thing when they're born. There is no cotton on that tail. <laughs> ugly, I'm talking about. I can't describe how ugly they are. But, now, now watch this. In about three weeks, they're the prettiest things you ever seen. They're, they're about that tall and about that long. They got the fur on them. I mean, they have got some cotton on the tail. And, uh, and I mean, man, you want to just take them and say, oh, man, that little thing, I don't want to sell it now, you know. And, uh, I mean, you know, I sort of get attached in it. And, by the way, I, I, I got out of rabbit business. <laughs> I couldn't afford it. I was building rabbit pens and buying rabbit feed more than I was selling rabbit. And uh, Brother Billy up. There he is right there. How's your rabbits doing, brother? <laughs> He's like, oh, I ain't got no more. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Now I'm the hog man. I got to be doing something to try to make me some extra money. I, I bought me, I bought, I bought me two, two Yorkshires, six weeks old, about that long, about that tall. And they're probably, they're probably 11 months old now. This and this is this and this. I bought two of them. I paid 75 a piece for them. So I'm a thinking, if I buy two sows and they have 12 a piece, that's 24. Hey, I can buy me a steak. Well, I bought them, but I didn't have a boar hog. So now I got to go buy a boar hog. But God was good to me. He let me, he, he let me find one for $150. He is about that tall and about from me to you. Yeah. And so now, man, I am buying some feed. I went the other day. I don't buy it by the 50-pound bag. I buy it by the ton. Them hogs, they, they better show me something. 
How did I get on all that? Man. Anyhow, we was talking about an ugly, ugly rabbit and an ugly uh, eagle. We done working on hogs now, ain't we? I don't know how we got it. That's just another rabbit, I reckon. Amen. But anyhow, let's go on. Mama wants them to know, you know, when they think they know it all, Mama wants them to know that she is still dominant of that nest. I told you last week, they, they get about four months old before they start learning how to fly. They get these, uh, they get these feathers, but there's not original feathers. In other words, not like Mama's feathers. They, they'll, they'll get, you know, probably six years old before they finally get to look like Mama looks. But they do have feathers. They're not quite as ugly. And, uh, and now, little brother uh, looks at sis and says, uh, I, think, I think we need to start having some, you know, some pleasure. And, and we need to start, you know, uh, well, you know how kids are. You know, they think mama knows it all and mama's too, too heavy on them. And... and uh, and, and, and so they'll mess around till they get a board on them that's about that long. Amen? That's the mama eagle. Old little brother looks at little sis and says, uh, man, we need to get some, some fun going on around here. It's boring in this nest. And I can see little sis looks at little brother and says, you better quit thinking like that, boy. Because that sound, I said well ago, will make hair raise up on your neck. And, uh, and when she makes that, little brother goes to the other side of the, the pen and figures he better do what mama said to do. And so as we look at that and we think of that, we look at the nest and how ugly they are. And uh, Brother Eagle, you know, tells little sissy Eagle, you know, the, about the privileges that, you know, they ain't been getting and they need some more privileges. Uh, but mama sitting up on the side of that nest hears him makes that squeal, and straightens that matter out real quick. Ain't it amazing how God will straighten you out real quick when you start making some pretty bad decisions and, and uh, you think you need a privilege or two, and, and God will show you that he's still dominant, he's still God, he's still your father, and he still can make you do what he wants you to do. And that's what this Mama Eagle does here. And uh, so Brother Eagle, he gets over there and keeps his mouth shut, and, uh, and everything works out pretty good. Now, let's look at number two. I'm talking about dominant. Uh, number one, divinely dominated. Uh, number two is divinely devoted. Divinely devoted. We need to be divinely devoted to God. Do you know it's still yet to be seen what could happen to a man if he completely, 100% sells out to God? You see, all of us, all of us messes up here and there and whatever. I mean, they ain't none of us really sell out 100%. We want to think we do, and we want to make people think we do, but we really don't. Uh, uh, you know, when it's still, it's still a, a, a thing that, what, what would God do if we was to sell out to him 100%? Give him total uh, dominion over our life. What, what could we do for God? 
And so we need to be divinely devoted to God. Now, that simply means uh, surrendering to Him. It means yielding to Him. It means giving up to another. That uh, to being devoted. It's to give up something. Give yourself up uh, to the Lord. Now, or we could say uh, being submissive. Being submissive. Uh, probably one of the the greatest examples in the Bible that I can think of off the top of my head would be Job. Remember, the Bible said that Job was a perfect and upright man, had seven youngins, and was the richest in the East. I mean, he, uh, he didn't like anything. But Job loved God. Job worshiped God. Job sold out to God. Money, listen to me, money did not run Job. Probably they could be more of us rich if that money didn't run us. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, man, I wished I'd have been a millionaire instead of so good looking. She said, I'm sorry, you missed out on both counts. <laughs> Uh, Job, he loved the Lord. He was devoted to God. Now watch this. This is what I'm, the point that I'm trying to get across here. Job, and you know the story well. Job, the devil, went before God, and uh, like he does you and me, and you can believe that, uh, he's always, ratting on you to God. You ain't going to get away from it. If God didn't know you already, he would know you because of the devil because he's sure to tell on you. Just like uh, Job, he said, have you ever considered my servant Job? Well, you can believe one thing, the devil's considered him. <laughs> he knew Job. He knew about Job. And then the devil comes up with this. He says, well, he only serves you because you've made him rich. You take away all his riches, you take away all his fame, and he'll curse you to your face. So God had confidence in Job. And, 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 and so he told the devil, he said, all right. He said, you just go right ahead, take everything that he's got, but just don't take his life. You can't take his life. Ain't you glad the devil can't do nothing that, unless God allows him to? I mean, he can't do nothing unless God allows him to do it. And he said, you just can't take his life. Go ahead and take his riches. So you know the story well. The storms come up, hail and all that, and kill every one of his youngins. And the same day, lost all of his crops went bankrupt. And matter of fact, and matter of fact, he had sore boils, the Bible said, from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head. You ever had a sore boil? You know them boils that pops up on you? Sometimes they'll have four or five heads in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is yes and this is no. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? He had these sore boils on him. 
hurt. I mean, a boil hurt. It'll pop up there and be red. I mean, it'll pop up there a quarter inch. Well, the Bible said that Job had them from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head. The Bible said that he would take glass and scrape them to try to ease the pain. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that I'm saying that old Job, man, he was going through a difficult time. Job has lost his family. Job has lost all of his accounts, all of his riches. Job now has lost his health. He don't even have health. He's laying in ashes, cutting the sore boils and trying to find some relief in Three of his buddies come up. Boy, this is buddies everybody needs. They come up to Job and said, Job, I know what's wrong with you. Now, I'm just alliterating it, but it's, it's what it means. But I know what's wrong with you. Man, you got sin in your life. Ain't it amazing that that's what everybody thinks whenever things begin to trouble in your family and your life? Everybody thinks, well, I wonder what in the world he's been doing for God to whip him like that. It may not be a whipping. It may just be a godly test just to see how you're going to survive, see how you're going to act whenever he loosens the devil a little bit. God may just want to check you out. I wonder if that was you or me. I wonder if we'd pass the test. I wonder if we'd have passed that test. They come up to him and, and they're saying, Job, man, you've, got, you've lost everything. I mean, even his wife, even his wife told him, said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? And, and I'm careful when I say that because she may have loved him so much, she just couldn't hardly bear to see him in the condition he was in. She'd rather see him die than to be hurting in that kind of condition. That's possible. I mean, that, that's possible that it was that way. I know some preachers will preach that and act like, you know, she's a heathen because of what she said, but it could be because she just loved him and, and, boy, she was hurting with him. I know I do my wife. Right now, she's, this week, she's had it since Sunday, uh, uh, that inner ear infection where the, she's running into the walls. I thought she hit my moonshine or something, amen? Uh, I mean, she just staggers around. And, uh, uh, you know, I, for no reason, just, just stagger around. And, uh, and I, I can see, I can see these three guys, they come up, Job said, Job, man, what have you done for God to do this to you? And God didn't have nothing to do with it. Well, he did, and the good way, it was the devil. And, and, and I said this last week too, I think. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Sometimes things happen in our life and the devil ain't got nothing to do with it. God's just stirring your nest or God's just doing something, you know, in your life to make you a better Christian, to make you better than what you are. And, and we're giving the devil the credit for it. But the devil did do this. He was in on this. Uh, and, uh, and, and this is what Job said. He said, uh, I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. This is to his three buddies here now. I, I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, and, man, I'm a, 
I'm a, I'm a grieving over my family uh, uh, gone and, and, and everything. But he, says, but he says this here. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Could you have said that? If I just had one sore boil, I'd be squalling and carrying on. And Becky, can you bring me the channel changer? This sore boil's killing me. Oh, man, I'll milk it. You hear me? I'll milk it. She hates it whenever I say, do I have a fever? She knows it's on. Amen? Y'all men might as well go ahead and smile. Y'all just like I am. Ladies, amen? Go ahead and punch him in the side. You know, you know how he is. Bring me the channel changer. I hurt so bad I can't get up. But old Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And then he added this on to it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of his hurt, in all of his pain. Listen, he said, blessed is the name of the Lord. Would you agree with me that he was divinely devoted to God? <laughs> you see, we need to sell out to God. We need to let him be dominant in our life. We need to be devoted to him. Just like, listen, just like old Job was here. And then thirdly, and I'll close. I forgot to even look at the time. Uh, we need to be divinely directed. Divinely directed. Now, now, Mother Eagle lets them eaglets know when it's time to fly and not until. Oh, now, in that nest, I mean, it's a big nest. You understand? And, and they, they're, they're practicing and they're learning and they've got them little wings and they have got a little bit of, I guess you could call it a feather on them and and uh, and they'll they'll jump up and fly and maybe go four foot over there and they've been really working on it but they can't get out of that nest until mama says it's time you learn to fly. Remember last week? I think I, I think I mentioned that last week how that she'll get she'll get them on her wings. Did I, did I mention that last week? Was that part of it? I'm, I, I get caught up in this thing. But anyhow, in case I didn't, that's that's what she'll do. She'll get them on them wings and. Uh, and uh, and she'll go up, and she'll she'll just, I mean, just, oh man, what majesty it is! And then one eaglet on one side, and and sis on the other side, and she'll go up there, and then she'll just do a double somersault, and off they go. Well, it's time to fly or die. You see, they thought they thought, man. I am something else flying around in this nest. But now they're a mile or two up in the heavens falling down doing somersaults. It ain't like in that nest. And, and, and mama's saying now it's time to fly. And, and so divinely directed. She is the director on this. And if we would just learn this one thing in our Christian life and experiences, let God do the directing. Are you listening to me? Let God be the director. I said a while ago, he never makes a mistake. I do. I, you know, I mean, I ain't made one today, I don't think, but as long as you don't talk to my wife, I didn't. Uh, but... Remember how, 
how God directed the Israelites? Remember whenever Moses went over there and brought them out? I mean, went through all the plagues and everything. Now, they was, they was three million plus Israelites. That's a handful, bro. Three million plus Israelites coming out of Egypt. I pastored, I pastored four or five hundred, and I thought, oh, dear God, what am I going to do now? He's got three plus million, Moses, three plus million. But God's the director. God told him to go get them, and God don't make a mistake. They, they get out there, and they get to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh, he, uh, all he can see is those slaves that done all his work, done all his farming, and, and supplied everything for him, now they're gone. And Pharaoh has forgot about the flies and the frogs and the fleas and the blood and all that happened in those ten plagues. He just sees his finances going down the drain. So he gets his army up, and he heads after them. And, and now here they are. Now, now get this picture in your mind. Uh, Moses... I got 24 seconds to finish this. <clears throat> Moses is at the Red Sea. They're, they're getting ready to cross over, but don't know how to cross over. So they've got the Red Sea. Have you ever, have you ever seen how stupid some of these people can be? They said, man, listen, that thing, listen, they could wait it across there. They, they went to where a, a ford was, you know, where a, a, a cross. So that's how they went across there. Who are you kidding? Hi, well, that would have been better because the Bible said all of Pharaoh's army drowned in it. Well, that would even been a better miracle, wouldn't it? But anyhow, they did. They, uh, you know, make a long story short, they crossed over. And uh, God opened the sea. They crossed over. Here they come after them. God opened it back up. I've often wondered, because I, I, I love to fish. Man, I love to fish. I've often wondered, maybe that big old bass coming up there and got his head out of the water said, Whoa, what happened here? Amen. Uh, <laughs> turned around and went back. But, uh, but uh, the waters went back in, drowned the horses, drowned the men, drowned them all. Well, what happened? Well, God directed the show. He don't make no mistake. Remember when they got out there in the desert, didn't have nothing to eat, and they went to squalling and crying and and they went to Moses and said, Moses, at least we did have onions to eat back in Egypt. Can you imagine that? Eating a whole onion? And it not cooked? <laughs> and, uh, and so they began to cry. And so God, you know, M uh, Moses talked to the Lord. And the Lord said, all right, I'll feed him. And he sent manna down from heaven and wafers. Do you know what that was? Nanner pudding. You tell me what nanner pudding is made out of. Is it not nanners and wafers? What kind of God loves you so much he's going to give you nanner pudding to eat? Amen. And, uh, and, and so God directed that. I mean, right up to all of them. And, of course, they'd rebel and God would, you know, bring them back and get everything hunky-dory again. And, uh, and then they come up there to the Jordan and... And, uh, 
and of course Moses wasn't allowed to go in there and Joshua took it from there on in you know the story well and it's zero 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 up there and uh, uh, well anyhow divine direction God was divine in his direction with Egypt and I want to close with this thought here God will be divine in your direction I know, I know, I know it probably looks tough. I mean, hey, I'm not going to sit up here and be like one of those radio preachers and say, man, if you just live right, you won't never have a problem. That's hogwash. What kind of Christian we'd be if we didn't have a valley? Let me leave this with you. you let me leave this thought with you. How many of y'all wants to be up on the mountain? I do. It wants to be up on the mountain. But, but watch this. How many of y'all like collard greens and turnip greens? I got a few country folk in here. Did you know that you ain't going to grow them up on that rock? You know where you can grow them at, though? In the valley. You know what? Sometimes God let us get in the valley to get some of that good eating, to get some of that refreshing in our spirit and our soul. I mean, if we stayed up there on that mountain all the time, I mean, God wouldn't even be able to get along with us. So he lets us go in a valley. I like that song, that he's the God of the valley. Just like he is the God of the mountain. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. I don't know your heart. I, I said last week, uh, you know, maybe a couple of ladies and men have come up here. You, you know your heart. I, uh, when I preach, I just, you know, I just want people to have the availability of getting right with God or getting saved or whatever. And, and you may be in here tonight and you, you're lost without God. You need to be saved or, or maybe you're in that valley and you just need somebody to pray with you and just pray God will give you some strength uh, for, for tomorrow and the next day. Hey, hey, don't feel bad about it. We all get there. I mean, every one of us, we're, we're all, hey, friend, we're human. We're all like that. We all need help. We all need friends to, to pray with us and to help us through our hard times. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are God. And, and Lord, I know the words may have been few and scattered tonight, but I pray, God, where I left out what needed to be said, that you'd add it in their heart tonight. And Lord, if I said too much that I shouldn't have said, I pray that, that Lord, that you'd check it and and, Lord, may it be all right. And, Lord, that, that that lost one would be able to come and find you and find that peace in their heart for the first time in their life. And that one, Lord, that's been down and out and discouraged, it seems like, seems like the whole world's been against them. God, I pray that they'd come to the altar tonight. And, and, dear Lord, may they just give it all to you. Let you be the director of their life. And may we, uh, Lord, sell out to you and let you operate our lives now get all the glory lord thank you once again for these that come out and have your way give us traveling grace home give us a good day tomorrow in jesus name i pray amen and amen